0: episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast, features Aaron Risser. It was recorded at Fetish Brewing Company in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to Fetish Brewing Company and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here at Fetish Brewing Company. He's Aaron Risser, I'm Rich Shane, Dawn Ranieri's here, and we're going to talk about beer and fetish. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So, or, Thanks a- for being here. Oh, thank you. This is—it's a gorgeous day. It's a sunny day. It's—it's it's about seventy degrees in Livitz, Pennsylvania. How did how did Fetish Brewing Company get started? How did all this get started for you? Uh, Fetish Brewing
1: Company is a backyard creation. I mean, starting at home and flourishing into what it is today on a campus
0: that is likely to exceed a thousand employees. So, how we're going to talk about a couple things. You started as a it was, it was a backyard. Hobby backyard passion to start being a home brewer. How yes. did this? And you're you're a relatively young guy. I am. So take take us back to that first home brewing experience.
1: Uh, first beer brewed 2005. 2005. Probably a dark pumpkin ale, something really clunky, but I wanted to uh, experience for myself and just give away to other people. And then you know probably a monthly brew session from there. Graduated into. You know, just giving away beer, and then meeting some business partners that that created Fetish Brewing Company.
0: Now, was this something that you know for you was? Did you have some help learning how to brew beer? Was did did you resource any kind of um, brewing clubs? How did you kind of get started with that first? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of great minds in the area. Uh, I am from the
1: area, so there are a lot of good people to look to for you know technical things, and then also I spent some time with Weyerbacher in their tasting room, in their brewery, learning from those professionals. Outside of that, just
0: lots and lots of practice. So you really had some good hands-on experience, especially learning how to scale from being a home brewer to doing more of the manufacturing and brewing in a larger like a facility that we're in today.
1: Yes, yes, uh, and even up there in Easton, much larger of a concept than here, but yeah,
0: along, along the road, it's been a lot of work, a lot of learning. Did you have a, I mean, you said you brew beer and gave it away to friends. Did you have like a passion for beer? Were there certain, you know, forks in the road that you could have gone down? Or what was it for beer that stood out? I think with beer as a creative
1: concept, it's, for, for most of the brewers that I know, it's about brewing something that they want to drink themselves uh, i think hopefully they that, that's the artistic concept that that people espouse it's what i espouse which is what do i like to drink I- at any given moment is that going to be a dark pumpkin beer is that going to be a spicy chocolate stout is that going to be a kiwi f- flavored goza that sort of thing or even even something completely off the path uh, something sour and oaky, something that maybe somebody would pour
0: down the drain, but somebody else would be like, "This is fantastic." <laughs> it, it really sounds to me like, and what resonates through what you're saying is, you you kind of just get an idea, and this is your palette. I mean, did you always have like this creative outlet for, you know, just were you an artist? Were you yes. You... yes,
1: yes, yes. Uh, that that is a good uh, retrieve by you, which is. You know, I spent a lot of time doing fine art, uh, also graphic design, and now, of course, brewing, which is taking taking something that I do and making it into something tangible for somebody else to enjoy.
0: Yeah, really, it's really uh, rewarding. So you mentioned Weyerbacher as a brewer. What other influences have you had, you know, kind of starting out from the beginning and, and understanding beer or kind of getting a sense of, you know that's 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 somebody that you know kind of has taught me, or that that that's a beer or a brewing company that you know I'm trying to you know that's a flavor profile or something like that. Were there influences for you? As artists, there are always influences for an artist, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's it's intriguing to go from doing something for fun to jumping to doing it for money, um, because I think. When you're watching somebody do it at a scale, you're seeing them really perform technically well, um, but then also, as a customer, you're sort of, you don't really see the, the technical details, you're just seeing the artistic details, you know, how it's conveyed to you, how you walk in the space, how you understand what's going on, how it's served to you. There's a whole host of environmental changes that, that create that
0: scenario. You, you really give me that, I, I it's like this parallel tracking of, hey, you never see an artist finish their work, you know, do the work. It, right. You don't see the process. You just see right. the finished work. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're really relating to here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I
0: think, I think that
1: what you're saying is like when the production aspect obviously is something that you get to know better when you scale, when you're actually doing it, when you're when
0: you're burning the midnight oil and getting really into it. What was that? Taking that to the next step for you with Fetish, what was that like for you? taking it to scale. It was
1: difficult. I mean, there's no other way to explain it other than sheer just difficulty of learning, doing, uh, failing many, 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 many times. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it goes, it gets said a lot, but you know, you learn so much from the failures. Yes. Um, that's the, if, if you can stomach, if you can stomach all the failures and all of the I don't really like this so much is, or that sort of thing, then I think it really turns you to the path of how can I change it and make it
0: better. Was there a moment that, you know, were there moments for you? I mean, you talk about failures. It's easy. to You're right. You learn from them. But were there times when you kind of looked at the grand scheme and said, there are other things I'd rather be doing in my life? The passion doesn't burn <laughs> The passion doesn't burn hot enough to, right. to do yeah. this.
1: I mean, I guess there are people where they get to the point where the, the work isn't worth what they're doing. And that's kind of sad. Because I, it, I
0: haven't I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, so you I, I never don't really think I will. you never really found yourself either at um, the end of the day or in the beginning of the day going, I, I don't want to do this right now. I, I I could do other things. I could always do other things because uh, I'm not really driven much by
1: money. So I'm not I'm not looking necessarily to make money. I understand how money.
0: Uh, has its role in what we do as just, humans. Just, here's an asterisk on the right. podcast. He does... Aaron, when you come in, please pay your bar bill. Right, right, right. And, and do pay for the beer you take because yeah, he's not I mean, giving it away. <laughs> uh,
1: my partners would uh, hate me for saying that, but, you know, it's it's the artistic expression is what has value. I don't know. I know. I, to answer the question more specifically, I never reached the point and I never reached that point and I don't think I ever will. I mean, I like to brew beer even if... Even when I'm retired in my in my older years, I think I'll still be making
0: beer. So I really do. What was that? I mean, you're making beer; it's your it's your creative outlet. You're feeling, you know, you get the euphoria of of what you're producing. What was that aha moment when you realized that you were onto something for yourself? Or was it was it you know people receiving you and the beer and and just telling you how good it was? Yeah. What was that aha moment for you where you just said, "Wow, I'm onto something"? I think just. I think just a, a,
1: a enough people liking what you're doing. I think, I think, I think for a lot of brewers, it's when they taste something that they've created that is fresh, fresher and better than anything else they've had, and it's hard to define how that happens. But I think it happens to a lot of people. Was there something that stood out for you that you had that
0: fresher than Ooh, anything else you had uh... moment?
1: Just different ideas that I have, like ghost pepper stout, uh, a, a chocolate chili stout, which we still make. Pumpkin ales that used like local pumpkin and had more of a fresher approach. Uh, sour beers that are legitimately produced sours that, that spend a lot of time in a barrel and taste just like sours produced in Belgium with those really, you
0: know... Terroir specific characteristics. Do you think that's something because we're in Lidditz, great. I mean, you, you talk about you, you talked about fresh pumpkin. I mean, do you think there's something to be said for your beer because of the farmland that's around and yes. the, the access yes. to what you have?
1: Yeah, I mean, for those, I don't know how far this this podcast reaches uh, internationally or nationally, but 36 th- countries right, right. now. <laughs> for th- for those people who don't know about Lancaster, Lancaster is considered some of the best farmland in the world. And I try to procure whatever I can locally. Sometimes I even grow it myself. So, for instance, the ghost peppers that go into our stout, uh, I grow myself. Um, I pick local honeysuckle that goes into our colch. Uh, that pick... must be a long undertaking, picking all those oh, honeysuckles. It's crazy. I mean, but, but we're only doing 110-gallon batches, so this, the scale is not to the point where it's, it's, it's overbearing. Or elderflower is a good one. We do local elderflower. I use all local fruits for the sours that we do. So there's such a huge local touch of agriculture in in the beers that are coming out of here. I mean, we're about to do a Hefeweizen that has heritage, ancient grains grown by Amish guys. And they, I mean, you can't, you can hardly find a phone number for these people, let alone, like a website or even a
0: physical address. So it's some pretty pretty on the farm type type stuff. This is exactly you know. why when when Don and I were talking and on the drive up, we we've been excited to talk to you. We've been here a number of times and never have met you, but every time we're here, I mean the quality shines through in your beer. It's flavorful. There's yeah. there's complexness to it. And now I better understand why that is. Because of the raw materials, the raw ingredients that you're sourcing, that you're producing your beer out of,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, outside of creating our own yeast strain, which which can happen pretty quickly, uh, some brewers use a house yeast. I mean, a lot of the stuff is just being pulled locally from the local pharma. By pharma, I mean like flora in the
0: air or things that are just popping right out of the ground right next to us. Right. So if you're talking, you're picking your honeysuckle, you don't, there, there's yeast on that. Yeah. And they, you're capturing that mm-hmm. in your fermentation process, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, even local honey that we, we put local
1: honey in a beer called Bumble that is completely uninterrupted by anything. It's not heated. It's not filtered. It goes right into the beer. It just gets fermented as is. So you get, a lot of people are intrigued by that, by the, uh, the Anti, what would you call that? Antihistamine. histamine. Okay. Uh, the 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 way that people uh, can help their
0: immune uh, system. Yeah, immune system through um, it's when you get when you're. Uh, I think if if I hear you correctly, hay, what, like hay fever and stuff like right, that. Right, like but if that. you're if you're utilizing the local products, yes, right, yes. and that's that's what you're thinking. Yeah, about. the local fauna and flora are helping you uh, your immune system get ahead of what's around you. At this point. Your beer is even better now because it's helping your local immune system. Yeah. I mean it's you know it,
1: you know, seeing all the ground the groundswell that has already happened of local producers, whether it's it's food or, or anything that you ingest, I mean that's or put put anywhere near your body, like you can see that there's a reason that people do it that way. Instead of mass produced things that that utilize like they intentionally utilize Consistency and staleness to a fault, you know. And I think this is a little bit more. Hey, these are these things
0: are unique, but they're local, so they're interesting. I think that it still yeah. it still brings in the whole craft, yes, creative absolutely. side of what you're doing. So, fetish. How did the name fetish come about? <laughs> a commonly asked question. Um, back
1: then, I think this was 2012 ish. Uh, we sat down as partners and we talked about ghost pepper which is the spicy chocolate stout that we still make and the idea was the idea surfaced to call it ghost pepper fetish because of course if you were going to drink that beer you had an admiration of that one ingredient which if you you know by definition a fetish is something of of great admiration right and then back then back in those days you had beer advocate which was the way to search what breweries existed and what beers existed, right? So if somebody had the name fermented adventure, you could look it up and see if it was taken or not. Right. Well, of course, nobody had the word the name fetish. And we were like, this is great. You know, we can name every beer something fetish. It could be a fetish onto itself. So you have pumpkin fetish, kolsch fetish, Belgian fetish, and these ter- just simple words that would describe the type of beer that you're getting yourself into once you pop the cap or, you know, took a draft, like had a draft of it in front of you. So again, the branding had much more to do with naming, easily naming the beers and making a recognizable brand that wasn't already being used by
0: somebody else. So now it's, has it meandered a little bit, obviously, from the process of, hey, it's a beer fetish. To what are the replies or responses do you get from your customers or people that see you for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's the
1: obvious uh, assumptions of what people are going to walk into if they're just you know they they just open the door and they're looking for that fetish experience and they're looking for something predetermined in their mind, right? You know, but if looking in here today, we're we're you know we're focused on beer, we're focused on music. Um, and we're focused on environment, like where it's a industrial
0: analog feel. Well, this is... I mean, this is an amazing spot. Lititz, I understand, is the rock and roll capital of the world that nobody knows about. Yes. This is just... This is... it. All right. This is... There's a lot of great energy here. There's an amazing amount of creative energy. And I think that's where you thrive in. Oh, yeah. There's an amazing amount of technical energy. And you get some high-profile people coming through this door here, don't you? Not that you're allowed to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, the answer is
1: sort of yes to that. We, We reside on a campus that involves itself mainly in the staging sound and lighting for very large entertainers. So they come here... Under a lot of discretion, most times, uh, stay at the hotel. Uh, which is right across the street. Right, which is across the street. Yep. And there is a nearby airport, which makes all of this very convenient. You know, they they buy their, buy their products here for uh, live entertainment shows. And we just happen to be the on-site brewery for the campus. I mean, I think this parcel of land is like 80 acres. And right now there are... We are in one of five buildings currently, and I th- and I believe all said and done, there might be eight buildings, and they're not
0: small buildings; they're big. No, I mean you're looking. Like, you could yeah. put an airplane in, I guess, where they set up the soundstage. Yeah, almost, and and it's huge. It's massive. Yeah,
1: it's very massive. That was the first building, and I've been told that that building can house a stadium sized stage which is very unique not just to the world but to this definitely to this country where it's just so massive that people can practice in it and do what they have to do How did you come about picking this location for your brewery? Oh man this was an int- it, like it was also serendipitous because we bought a used set we bought a used brewery and we had it in storage someone one of the chief creative officers up here asked us to come here and we did say yes and that's how it happened that was back in like summer of 2017 and then we finally opened our doors to the public on january 24th
0: 2018 2018 so yeah. you just celebrated so your it's third been three year an- three-year anniversary yeah. yeah it's crazy so especially since covid took up one of those years. Well, we'll talk about you know. that, too, and thinking about it. So we talk about you making the pumpkin ale. Yes. At 2005. Yes. 2012, you're having conversations with investors that want to start to open a brewery together. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking 2017 and then opening 2018. What people think about people that, like, home brew, and you're kind of good at it. And then it's a process to get to this stage, isn't it? yeah i mean
1: it's it's daunting i mean anybody who anybody who wants to switch their pathway especially at a young age when they when they're just starting to gain responsibilities and stuff it's tough i mean i guess it's tough for anybody you know if it's hard to have a side hustle and i was sitting at a desk doing graphic design and beer was my side hustle and i made no money doing it for years I mean, I was just, I was just doing what I was doing because I felt like it was the right thing to do. Okay. And enough people dug it, so I kept doing it. And then I realized that I just didn't want to sit at a desk for the rest of my life. So I thought, I really have nothing to lose. Let's let's start a
0: brewery. So and, was and the, that's was, where the leap comes. Okay. Was did, did investors find you, or did you find investors? Uh, no, my, my partners are. They found me. Were partners. Well, well, we we
1: found each other really. I mean, like. Uh, I was lucky enough to find two people who are creative thinking. Uh, I don't think this, this brewery and this brand would look totally different if, if three creative people didn't meet. I mean, that that in and of itself is, is certainly serendipitous. Um, you know, we're all creative backgrounds, all looking to do something, bumping into the walls, like outside of
0: the box, that sort of thing. So you mentioned COVID. Yeah. How has COVID impacted your business and what have you learned from it? What, where have you grown from it? COVID stuff. I mean, and COVID's still here. We're, yeah, you know, we're I mean, still, co- COVID we're still recording stuff.
1: during COVID. COVID stuff. COVID hurts, hurts people in all sorts of ways. You know, like physically, you know, emotionally, you know, just with their business. There's all sorts. Of, like it's one giant challenge for everybody to overcome, right? I mean, in the in the initial days of the shutdowns. I think our concern was, is our governor going to consider us essential or not? And I know that that's in the, in the, in the height of it. That's what a lot of businesses were concerned with. Are you, are you going to be con- allowed to continue to operate? And then I guess some people uh, thought to be voluntary to shut down. We never shut down completely. Uh, we did the safe to go model and sold a lot of beer to go.
0: Did you have that infrastructure already set up? Uh, barely. I mean, barely. did you have a, did you have a canning line at the time or Were the you the doing answer, the answer crawlers was, or growlers? Barely. The okay. answer is
1: barely. I mean, if we we had a crawler machine, which a lot of people do that are our size and scale, but we did have a crawler machine and we still produce cans that way and send them out the door. But man, if you didn't have that or if you were just starting up or if you were just trying to open your doors, I imagine it would have been horrifying from a from a financial perspective of just trying to open. We were lucky enough. I mean, things were good. People were supportive. People wanted beer. People knew that the the restaurant and beer industries were gonna be taking
0: a big hit. But we still had loyal customers. What have you awesome. learned? What 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 have you seen come out of this for you as a business owner, for you as a brewer? What 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 is, what's a positive look on where COVID has, has helped you grow or expand or what have you learned? I think you have to know
1: that there really are plenty of customers out there. It's just a matter of finding them. Um, there are people that appreciate what you do. You just have to find them. And you have to be creative in the way that you find them. I mean, you know, whether it's going on the road and doing shows, like, like we do car shows now. Like, we do, we do events where we are present on different people's properties selling beer. Uh, because, because not just because we want to but because they want us there. So those relationships are vital when you're when you're looking to
0: to be somewhere else or to, to find customers, you know? So talk about relationships. That's been important. That's kept you going. This is as you thousands of people could be on this campus when this this whole thing is like churning like a huge engine. You know, what's what's the impact been, you know, where I mean it's it's a Thursday afternoon right now and I would imagine at some point, this whole open area here was thriving. You had dozens and dozens of people roaming around all the time. Yeah,
1: I mean it. It really, it really needs to come back to life. Um, I guess I don't know what the numbers are. I'm, I'm sure the entertainment business is just starting to wake up, but it's been down for going on a year. I mean we're we're five days away from our state's lockdown, complete lockdown. Shutdown, yeah, so. In five days, it'll be one year anniversary of that. So, I mean, those businesses just completely collapsed. Um, But yes, prior to COVID's arrival, it was thriving in here. I mean, we had had the three buildings, plenty of people, plenty of interest. Everything was on the upswing, everything. You know, the 138 rooms that are across the street were always booked. I mean, the percentages of, of bookings were just so high. I mean, it'll get back there for sure. Like it always does. Yeah, I, I mean, it will. Uh, pe- uh, like us as a people will re-
0: rebound to that point. Music's but, important. Oh yeah, and, and going if... to a live concert like that is important. I mean, yeah. it's not to say that won't we'll ever come back, but what businesses will be in place and how will that look when it comes back? That's I think that's key. Well, I mean, like
1: we went, we went into lockdown with three buildings. They continued construction on two, and this is on the campus. So it, probably this summer, we'll have five operational bu- buildings on this campus. So the, the construction didn't, didn't go to sleep. It still went on. And so there's obviously optimism for growth from the people that are really in charge of taking care of this campus
0: and the live events community. Well, what's nice for you and this campus is, I mean, you look out, we look out on the windows right now, you've got this beautiful patio set up out here, plenty of seating, and you've got this open air spot next door. I mean, this is a great spot to just come and drink beer. Yeah, the vibe is great. The the vibe is awesome. The vibe is great,
1: you know, and we we sort of go, we go hand in hand with that. We play, you know, 99% of our, our music played here is on vinyl, so you hear every scratch, every
0: needle. How did that come about? Was that just because of the location and and, and the musical situation here or was that is that somebody's fetish? Um, it's <laughs>
1: yeah I mean my business partners are pretty heavy into uh, that analog sound uh, and and quality of sound so this is their uh, one of their equipment and but also yes, you're right it does go hand in hand with the campus I mean people that walk in here who are familiar with anything audio take one look and understand that those are jbl 150s and, and that's you know that's you know there, there's a real to real player does it actually work and you know those questions surface all the time but they know exactly what what it is and where it came from because you don't just you don't just see that every day i mean it's not a very common thing to see the the analog equipment like this
0: it's it, it creates the whole environment the whole environment for you to provide your craft your creativity mm-hmm. so let's talk some beer yeah let's get Let, some beer let's, let's talk some beer alright so right in front of us we have three different styles of beer three different tastings um, which one did you want to share and, and talk to people about and give us uh, your vision for that beer let's talk about Ghost Pepper first since that's sort of what's brought us all here uh, this was the the of by event. the way we love spicy and and <laughs> yes. the, the, again i mean if you talk fetish i, I would say you know That's we've we've fetish. interviewed fractured sauce on the podcast they ferment a hot sauce nice. um, we enjoy hot sauce we enjoy like i, I, I actually started making making my own, own hot sauce this year I, and like an be, in-house hot sauce it, it's here yes all right we might have to try that too okay <laughs> but here's the thing again I, and, and i'm telling people that Fetish Brewing Company should be a place to come because your beer has flavor, it has boldness, it has body. If somebody says they're going to have a ghost pepper beer, it it, it has to have spiciness to it, right? Yeah. You have to get some heat on that. Yeah. And sadly and unfortunately, I I think sometimes brewers lose the mark or miss the mark. And I'm sure it's been trial and error for you to to get it to where you want it to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too is is definitely tweaking recipes and making sure that you're – you're dialing it in, you know? So ghost pepper, wow. It's, it seemed natural to do ghost peppers with Hershey's cocoa. So that's what I did in the beginning. It still is that way. It really, it's just dialing in the heat. So I was a big, I've always been a big fan of spiciness and ghost peppers are great for this because they don't have much flavor. But they bring the heat. Yes. So they they pack a good punch on heat, but they don't have very much flavor familiarity for anybody's palate. So like a jalapeno tastes like a jalapeno. A habanero has a kind of a strange flavor, in my opinion. But the ghost pepper, it doesn't have a green flavor. In my opinion, it just packs the punch, right? It just has heat. That's great because you only we only use about 13 in one batch. And that's 110... 110- in about gallons. 110 gallons okay. and we think it, it gets us right where we need to be. Heat wise. So you're basically drinking a full bodied chocolate stout that has a burn at the at the end and it lingers in your
0: throat. I know it's the so, barrel age one and I'm excited about that. <laughs> you get so, you get the chocolate the cocoa on the nose. Yeah, there's a lot of cocoa in here. I mean and, and if anybody's been to Hershey, or just to kind of give you an idea, when you get to Hershey, you smell chocolate in the air. Yeah, I mean what is it called? The Chocolate Capital or yeah. Chocolate Town? Chocolate Town, Chocolateville.
1: Hershey is it's a big deal when it comes to that for sure. But you really get that on the nose. Yeah. And I mean there are people there are people that'll sit down and have four or five of these at night. So it's not it's not a super cloying beer to those people.
0: A lot of people look at dark beers and say I'd rather have that when they're it's cooler out. Yeah. But this is really to your point? I could have this every day. Just about, <laughs> or four or five every day. Yeah. And the heat, you know, like the heat gets you in the back of the throat. It warms you. It's it's a nice, it's it's subtle. It reminds you it's there, and then you just want to drink more. It is good, and that's that's a six and a half percent beer. So,
1: right, a, right, pretty good sweet spot for a stout to, to be in for alcohol. Please
0: don't ever stop
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, it's 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 hard to stop making a beer that random people who have never been here before will come in and ask for it. I mean, there was a time I think maybe it wasn't on the menu and people would bring in friends or whoever and say, this is the place that has a ghost pepper style. So it's really become synonymous with Fetish Brewing Company is ghost pepper beer, right?
0: You know, you bring up a good so point. That How does that work for you knowing that, hey, you're creative, you want to do other things, but you also know there has to be some brand that people can come here each time they come by and know that you're going to ha- have this on the menu.
1: Oh man, it's tough. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, they're they're definitely they're, like. There's definitely hard decisions to make there, right? Like that's the reason why breweries become successful by making hoppy beers. R- right in today's climate, in today's beer climate, the hoppy beers are so popular that a lot of guys. Make a brewery and they're so successful with very hoppy beers that it's hard to get off that track because that's what's paying their investors and that's what's paying the bills and that's what's allowing growth. But, I mean, I guess we have 14 on draft and you get to the point where if you have enough choices like that, 14, that you can keep a mainstay like Ghost Pepper Stout, which... It's not our top seller, but it's what's your it's by, the, by the way you
0: mentioned that what's your top seller? Uh, the next beer we're about to try. Okay, want to segue I, didn't even, I didn't even know I was doing <laughs> well, this that. This is the top. Here is a question yeah, I right. have for you. Um, you know, and, and it's COVID, and there are certain things um, we, we talked about delivery issues. Um, what what? How has that impacted you? I mean, in terms of are there times when you can't get things, or you know that things that ghost peppers? I mean, you grow them, but you know what happens in sourcing some things like yeasts or. Um, or your hops or has that interrupted you or has that impacted you at all right now?
1: Luckily, that hasn't happened to us. We don't we don't consume as much raw material as some of the bigger breweries. so like hop contracts and and malts and stuff like that haven't really seen any supply chain um, inconsistencies. so hasn't really been an issue. I mean a lot of the stuff that I produce that can be frozen and stored, I do freeze it. Peppers freeze very well because, again, I'm not using them for flavor. I'm using them for the capsaicin quality, the, the heat. So they can store for a long time if they're frozen. But, no, I haven't seen any supply okay. chain interruptions. Because I think that, that would that also really...
0: impact what beers you're going to be able to produce. And if you have a regular like this. Yeah. And, the, you know, again, you know, people like us will travel. And yeah. we know that if we had something really good and we look forward to having it and you walk in the door and, ah, you know, we, we couldn't brew that this week. Or we don't, you know, we sold out. We ran out. Well, you bring up a great point, which is, um, you know,
1: like, so let's say you have a recipe that's got 10 different things in it. If it doesn't have one or two of those things, it's not the same recipe. Right. So when you live in that physical world, and I say this a lot to uh, to people, you know, like, you live in that physical world, you can't make that same thing. It either changes or doesn't exist. So that's something definitely to think about when you're, when you're talking about a product that needs certain aspects to be to come alive you know this is the best seller this is the top seller <laughs> what is it it's our uh, submissive ipa it's submissive ipa yeah so a west coast style ipa citra uh centennial um pretty standard beer i mean these days like i hate to downplay it but this is a pretty this is a beer of like years ago but now now I think the hop heads are coming back to the west coast style. I think they went to more of a New England cloudy, how gooey and juicy can we make it? And now it's back a little bit more to like west coast dry, hoppy, plenty of bitterness. As you'll see, like this is 83 IBUs and it's it's bitter. It's pretty up there. Yes. Some grassiness, some citrus, malt backbone. That's delicious. Yeah, I mean, this is like, this is definitely, it's what we sell the most of. I mean, it also carries that interesting name, which is submissive. We bowed, uh, the, the story behind the name submissive fetish is that we bowed to the existing beer culture and finally made an
0: IPA because for a while there just wasn't one on the market. You didn't really have an idea that that's something you wanted to do, or just not you hadn't uh, dialed in something you felt did, was worthy.
1: We did, but like it was kind of just like, eh, okay, let's let's finally put one out there. Yeah, and we did, and it, it was. I mean, it was years ago, so I don't even think the New England craze had hit by then, and we were producing it. So,
0: why do you think you talked about the change or the change in palate, or the change in where you know maybe beer drinkers are going to? Why do you think that is, or you know, where do you see that direction continuing? I'll, I'll take it down to, like, the
1: the level of a producer, which is um, I think that the more cool, interesting, different products that come out, the more the brewers are going to use them to create something new and different and hopefully better. You know, because you're talking about, I mean, how many brewers in the United States now? 5,000 or more? 6,000? Do you know that number, I have or? no idea. I, 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 I mean, think about I mean. Think about how many people go to work on a daily basis and go, well, what can we use today to make something interesting, new, and different? So you have so many minds just just churning on what ingredients are available, what new yeast strains are available. And that's how you get all these wonderful products that come out of these places. See, I love that about you what know? you get to do. Yeah, I mean, it's all. I mean, it's a
0: constant experimentation. We right? have tulips on the table. Who yeah. knows? I mean, that could be a beer. I yes, mean, it used to be a. Yeah, sort of, I mean, a I way of j- commerce.
1: <laughs> I had joked for the longest time about an ambergris beer, which is a. You, everybody in the audience, have to look, look that up. Ambergris. Well, ambergris, ambergris. It's it's a perfume ingredient. It, it's very expensive years ago i was joking about it and a friend of mine sent me a text of this brewery in in uh, australia that made an amber beer like the first one ever it's just something to be looked up and just laughed about because it's it's so quirky and expensive and interesting but it's like someone will find a way to do it you know look like you said looking at that tool up it's like Let's find
0: a way. Right. You know? That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> let's find a way. We'll come up here in three months and next thing you know, there's tulip beer. It's the, the tulip fetish beer or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. And it gives me a question for you. Like, are there things right now that are in your head, your creative wheel that you'd like to produce or you see producing over the next couple of months that you haven't done yet?
1: Man. Um, yeah. I think, I think different flavor profiles. Yeah. I think... I got a lot into hops and now I'm, I'm more into malts now. So I'm, I'm definitely thinking about like, I like when the reps come to me and say, these are, these malts are new. This is why, here are the characteristics. Let's see what you, what, what you can do with them. So whether it's cut, like a lot of it can be color, you know, interplay of flavors, sort of bringing it, bringing it back to basics of like really quenching drinkable beers, whether they're lagers or nails doesn't matter pairing it down I guess is, is is a different way of looking at it like it's like I, I was I used to do graphic design and, and, a, and a common phrase was creativity is subtraction so it was like how, what can you eliminate to make something better so sort of going in that direction of like what can you eliminate to
0: make something achieve its best version of itself that's fascinating you know and especially when it comes to beer and you really just you want to go with Simple ingredients yeah. to let them stand out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty heady, but it's more, it's, it's, it's like, you know, can you, can you get the best elder flour or like, or malt or whatever
0: to get to that point? So does, think, it come, does it come down to quality of ingredients? I think so. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, and then your process. I mean, process is obviously something that is always to be tweaked,
0: but yeah. But your background seems to come from ales, stouts, sours. There's a little bit of a Belgian influence there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another, that's another curveball there, which is sours. Love sours. I mean, I think the world of sour beer is so complex. I think it, it really rivals wine, you know? If you're going to put something in a barrel for 15 to 18 months and cross your fingers, not knowing what's going to come out on the other side, with any, with any firm firmness, you know, that's a risk. Well, that's, you've that's, got that's money tied a, up in the risk, barrel. You yeah, got that's money a risk tied up on in the, the juice yeah. and, and the beer and what's in there. Time and space and just ah, man, all of that stuff. I mean, every winemaker everywhere deals with that. And that's what
0: you deal with when you get into making legit sours. So, what can consumers, what can your customers expect from some sours that are resting right Ooh. now? That'll be coming out soon. Man. Um, different ingredients. I mean, elderflower sours,
1: apricot, peach. Uh, sour cherry, all stuff that's local to Lancaster. I love that genre. I mean, I could. I spent some time in Belgium drinking sour beer, and I could drink it every day. So,
0: and this is what you it, want to make, and this is what we get to enjoy. Yeah, I mean,
1: again, I could see myself just doing that for the rest of my life, just making good sour beers and enjoying them.
0: Now, you, do know, you have whether I'm
1: selling them to somebody or, or whether just making it for, making you them for and myself your friends. and friends and family, right? Wouldn't really bother me, but. Man, I mean, other other long term plans, maybe like I've always wanted to collaborate maybe with like more of a notable winery, someone who shares sort of like the brand, the brand aesthetic and mission that we do. I have a couple in mind, but I don't want to mention them now. But like, I think it would be cool to work with people who are as into making highly developed and like really sought after wines as it as it is with
0: beer. Now, sort how, of, would you, sort how, of how would you collaborate two, that right? what is, what's your like, are you are you aging your beer in their barrels? yes okay yes An so example, you're taking a good cask. Yes, yes something
1: something with a lot of body and yeah you've, you've totally walked down the same path which is like and this actually happened to us recently where triple sun spirits in nearby allentown dropped off a whiskey barrel and they're like hey can you fill this with a stout okay we're gonna fill it with a stout and then they're gonna take we're going to take the beer out. They'll take the barrel back. They'll fill it with whiskey and vice versa for as long as we feel like doing it. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's a, as long as the wood it's will part, hold it right, and, it's and it's still part that, that character, you can do it. Well, I'm taking their whiskey and put it and like getting it into the beer and they're taking my beer and getting it into their whiskey. So it's, it's like a,
0: it's a dance that's going to happen for forever. Really. I want to, I want to impede your dance yeah. because I want to throw, you get some local honey right. or local maple mm-hmm. syrup and put that in the barrel for a while, Yeah. and now you start sharing the honey or maple syrup into your beer or their whiskey, Yeah. that might be just where you want to impede that dance, let somebody cut in real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, the same thing,
1: uh, that's just an example, but the same thing could be applied to the, the sour beer thing, which is, although the, the wineries really aren't going to want the barrels back after they get dirty beer, like uh, bacteria in them. So it'll pretty much be just like a one-way partnership at that one point, at that point. But I think that it could be something. I think that getting some decent producer barrels and using them for, for some really high quality products could really it could elevate the game of beer. Not just for me, but
0: for anybody.
1: I mean, I know there are some producers that are already doing similar things, but it's getting
0: there. Like so, take, I'm thinking: Have you grabbed any? Uh, so they're mead producers. Have you? They do barrel age some mead. Mm-hmm. Would that be something that, you know, especially with a sour? Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to I'm willing to try that. Are right, any I mean, many, I, many I, producers around Littitz? Uh
1: Yes. <laughs> Aaron's looking there, for a barrel. There <laughs> are, actually. Um, there's definitely one commercial producer in Lancaster, so. Do you want to move on to this speaking one? Speaking of barrel. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so this is a, real quick, this is a super Russian Imperial style. Now, super, what makes it a super? It's 23% alcohol. Okay. So this is like an experiment in, hey, can I make something that's ridiculously high in alcohol, barrel age it, and in, in just a tiny, tiny batch and just put it out there. So this is a basically a Russian Imperial Stout recipe that hits a barrel, a small barrel, a 30-gallon barrel that has plenty of char, used to hold whiskey, and it achieved its full attenuation, and then I fed it oxygen honey and maple syrup and that and more yeast more of a high tolerance yeast and it got up to 23 percent alcohol and this is this is the second rendition of this beer and it's a beast now is this a, this is a used whiskey barrel yeah and who's you're led to share uh, that trade that secret? came it came from stolen wolf stolen wolf yeah which right is lit it, right. right in lit um so yeah i mean it's
0: And they're producing some incredible whiskeys, some incredible spirits.
1: Yeah, they're fantastic, and they're really into the craft, and they're really into, you know, putting out their best thing. But yeah, this one drinks, it's really heavy. It's really port-like. I think
0: he found his fetish. Yeah, it's really port-like. It it, it has a... um... You are absolutely right on the nose. Yeah. Not on the nose, but on the spot. The first thing you get is this port flavor to it. And a lot of times when you talk about doing Russian Imperial Stouts... You're going to get a lot of the alcohol forward, and this doesn't present that. Yeah, I mean, this is
1: smoothed over a little bit with some. Uh, I, I finished it with some maple syrup to give it a little bit more sweetness and flavor, just because I thought the the initial the initial hit was just too hard. So there is some residual sugar here, but yeah, it's it packs a punch.
0: This doesn't drink like a traditional Russian imperial style. I mean, it's like a, it's like a port or a sherry at this point. This is something you really want to like. You talk yeah. about wine. This is something you want to just sit down and just sip and enjoy because you're going to get a lot of different flavors. And as your mouth kind of warms up to the different flavor profiles, the oakiness, the character, of the barrel comes out. Yeah. You do get some of those essences of the vanillas, the the, char- the whiskey, you know, characteristics that come mm-hmm. out here. This is phenomenal. This yeah. is – if you haven't won awards for this. <laughs> Thank or, or you. I you appreciate haven't entered, that. <laughs> look, all, look, Aaron, again, the reason why we're here is because Dawn and I love the beers you're producing. Um, I don't think we've ever had anything that we did not like from here. Oh, I appreciate honestly. that. Not that's, at all. that's awesome. I mean, that's good to hear. Yeah. Lidditz in itself, if we're an hour and, you know, we're roughly an hour and a half out of Philadelphia, yeah, give or take. It's an easy drive, it's not that difficult. But Lidditz, you've got, you know, you come here to Fetish, you've got this great campus. You've got downtown Lidditz with a lot of its, you know, small business shops, restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Stolen Wolf, as we talked about. Yeah. It's really a nice day trip. You're not that far from areas like Hershey or Reading, So there's a lot of stuff to do within the area that you can really enjoy. But you definitely want to come here. I think so. Good. I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean, look, today's Thursday, and we have Bring Your Own Vinyl Night. I mean, who else is doing that? Right. Not just... I would just I mean, go anywhere, and buy vinyl like, now, yeah. just so
0: I can bring my own vinyl.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, I appreciate the kind of words. You know, we, we put a lot of work into this, and... Yeah, lititz has Lidditz has a lot to offer. Man, it's just it's no surprise that houses sell so quickly here. There's People just, don't it's a gem. People don't know about Lidditz. And even this this campus in particular, plenty of parking, you know, I mean it's safe. It's it's like it really is rural. I mean, half a mile up the road you're at an Amish farm. You know, which is which is fascinating. Given given the complexity of what's going on here. That's just fascinating to me. So I mean talk- Lancaster County in in general just uh, has that inside of it but man it's just amazing to be here with an airport. You yeah, know, you grew up here. here.
0: Yes. I mean, this is your roots in yeah, a way. I mean absolutely. you you love this area. I mean you've seen this grow up. You've seen this area grow up. Oh, it's beautiful. Up. It's beautiful. People like
1: I always say and I'm and I'm one of them. I I will lump myself into this group. People in Lancaster don't know how good they have it. It's beautiful here. I mean, you're not on a beach, but you have Basically unlimited agriculture. There's plenty to do. Not much traffic yet. Wink, <laughs> wink, wink. You know?
0: And then well, places- not notwithstanding was- vinyl night. You know, right, I mean, right, right. it's supposed to be
1: traffic and, backed up for miles. And then places <laughs> like this that 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 you know, like like there are places like I've been to places where like you would be in certain places where places like this are you couldn't get in because there's just so many people in the area. There's just there are people here, but there's not an overwhelming amount of people that you have to fight through to get to what you want. You Does know, you bring sense? up a great... Does discussion. that make sense? Like, yeah. And, and you, like, you guys are from Philly, right? right?
0: So, it's like, you know, there can be, like... Can't get in. Well, especially you know with I mean? the 50% occupancy yes, and, yes. and and everything that's going on now. But you bring up a great point. So, you do special releases. You do limited releases. Yeah. And we... Dawn and I talk about this all the time. And I'm not going to name breweries in specific, you know mention or you know distilleries or anybody but they'll do a limited release and it'll be gone in an hour yeah I mean I, I'm sure you would like that for you but I think what you're saying is that right now where you are your beers or what your product is a little more accessible that you know that yeah. if, if you drop something on Instagram or you know Facebook or your social media people are going to have a chance to get here that it's still going to be here and try right yeah that and just anything else that's like just... frustrating to us as a consumer that <laughs> You know, we'll see somebody will like you said, we'll do a special sour or we'll do a special stout or, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll do an IPA release and it, it's canned up and it's gone. I mean, how does that, you know, what are your philosophies on that with the industry and, and your business? I mean... Because you still have to make money. I mean, money's yeah, important.
1: Yeah, money's important. I mean, I guess a great example of that is when I was in Belgium, Right. And I was at Cantillon. Are you familiar?
0: No, haven't been it's there yet.
1: Basically, one of the... COVID kind of put a kibosh on us getting to Belgium. <laughs> basically, one of the, the preeminent sour producers in the world is Cantillon, which is in South Brussels. And they they only allow you to carry out certain products. So just The other products that they make that they know that you can walk outside the door and list on eBay for like 25 times the money. They make you drink them in-house. So they limit the way that the, the the exterior market, that gray market, happens. I actually think that's a good idea. I think that's a great idea. Right? because but what if, I'm saying
0: is You want to go there and experience... In, in rari-
1: when it comes to rarity of product and then demand, that's the business's way of limiting that. And they know that. And I appreciate that. And maybe that's what some of these places need to do or... Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, I in agree. other words, in other words, like understanding that like more in order to allow more people to taste and get to know the product, I don't know, to make it a little bit more on-site
0: appropriate. I, I think my my, of, my, like, my observation is accessibility yeah, to, and to, that's what I mean, to the masses like, versus you know, you know if you set up an exclusive club we're just gonna keep buying the beer and buying the beer and it sell out sells out. Are you expanding your customer base? Are you expanding your brand? It's an interesting conversation for the brewing industry, and 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 it's the, an easy way to make money. Yeah, and I don't mean to get too off topic. Yeah, no, you know, no, 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 no. I it's, just it's, think it's, it's fascinating because you're you're brewing it, you're making it. You have to make a business decision on how you want to bring this about to the consumer.
1: Yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, Russian River Brewing Company was one of the ones that sort of fell into that arena, you know, because Vinnie was doing these Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Younger beers, and and even his sours that people wanted all the
0: time like the, the supply could never meet demand ever that's another good point supply you know, will never meet you got 110 gallons you're never going to you know you could you could ramp up your operations right have them build you another building here on campus right you could grow to a larger scale but you may never you know you could get to that level where you may never meet demand which is a, a good thing but maybe you lose some of that craft and some of that creativity in 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 that fine line of of walking through what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what you just said is the fine line, which is the the craft and creativity. I think when you lose that, you 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 risk you risk the loss of the customers, you know, the customer's interest. Cuz there there could always be somebody smaller and more interesting and more niche and more whatever that can step in and take away your customer. I guess. Well, that that I mean, brings a question. question. But that's why that's why so many small breweries exist because because of
0: geography because of just just whatever they offer, you know, whatever they offer. That's well, you you talked about ter- ter- terroir. You talked about provenance. Mm-hmm. You talked about location. Yeah. If Again, I think that's why people need to, you know, experience breweries like yours to come here to get an experience, a product that they're not going to get. They're not going to get this specific beer that we just tried. Mm-hmm. The beers that we just tried, they're not going to get them anywhere else. Beers like them, but not like this. Right? Right. So that's why they need to come here. Yes. They <laughs> so what's the future of Fetish? I mean, what, what would you like to see the future? You know, you've had one year kind of impeded by COVID. In your business plan, in your business model, where would you like to see yourself in the you know, job interview, Aaron? Where would you like to see yourself in five years? Yeah.
1: Um, I, think, I think the trajectory is focused on getting a little bit more beer out there. Uh, I think that's going to take a little bit of scale. So now we're doing three barrels. Maybe we bump that up by a few, by a multiple or two uh, at this location and then seek another place to dispense beer like we are. I mean, we see, we definitely see value in the overall experience, right? Like we love the beer, but we see value in the social experience, the music experience, the there's not a TV hanging on the wall. Just, just that, like, we love the environmental factor of what we're doing here. And if we could replicate that a couple more times, I think that would, be, that would be awesome. I also think more barrel-aged products, specifically sour beers, would be fantastic for us. Then some canning. I mean, I think with some of that scale comes a little bit more portability. You know, I think there's more volume, so I think there's portability involved with...
0: Yeah, when you, you know, talk like about 20, canning, twelve think, ounce or sixteen ounce right, cans. I think now I can share. If I take a four pack, yeah, now I can introduce somebody. Yeah. Hey, I, I just picked this up. I was at Fetish, and we're just sitting around. Here, try this, right? I and mean, that's where you kind of create new consumers that way. Yeah, I mean that that's, but that's a likely, that's a very
1: likely and planned trajectory for for all breweries, which is you know expand your scale, but then figure out a way to make it portable, um, because that's the way that people want to be i mean that's why we saw in the past 10 years a lot of breweries were doing glass and now they're all doing cans
0: well glass has got so right. expensive because well, of glass, covid and everything else well, Glass is expensive find. but it breaks right that's
1: true it's 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 not as you know aluminum cans are just more efficient and that's just the way that the And i think labeling is
0: easier for aluminum cans that, as well yes labeling
1: but freshness um can drink you know it it doesn't it doesn't see as many boundaries you know you can drink it by the pool without risking breakage you can put it in your golf bag you know you can it, it goes where you want it to go as opposed to a bottle which is it does have some limitations right so how do people find you? They can come visit us which is probably the most important I mean I think engaging with fetish starts by opening the door here in Lidditz. Can also find us on social which would be Fetish Brew Co. on Instagram or Facebook.com slash Fetish Beer.
0: Or they can just email
1: us. I mean, info at Fetish dot com. Send me an email. But like a good email, not like a I hate your guts email. <laughs> Why would they hate your guts? I don't know. <laughs> I just like to say that kind of stuff because maybe somebody does and they want to be like, I hate
0: your guts. So here's a question no, for you. No, no,
1: no. Like, I think a personal visit is awesome. I think you don't get anywhere near the quality like the 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 whole experience if you don't show up in person i agree i'm a big show up in person kind of person right like for dawn and i if you're not showing up in person you're you're kind of you're missing a lot like in the day in the world of like email and like dm and all this stuff yeah look i'm 38 and i'm saying like i I feel like i'm about to say the word old school but i guess (laughs) i guess it is old school to show up and so and like shake, human connection. you know, like sh- yeah, human connection. That's look, absolute, I, I, like I think, especially hand, with what we've like done with, with their COVID, face, right? You know, like, yeah. like,
0: like, 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 we've sat down and, and, and there, there are people from Lidditz or Lancaster here. We've yeah. gotten a yeah, good. Gr- yeah. We'll talk for an hour. We'll yeah. drink beer. We'll talk about their beer. We'll talk about their lives. Yeah. And to your point, hey, and then that song comes on on yeah. that album. It's like that one track or that one album you put on. That That's we we oh, more than ever, it. the fetish that people need right now is that connection that human connection i lo- <laughs> that was great yeah i mean that's that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying right
1: now that human connection being here at rocklet it's is it's phenomenal i mean to be able to look at that record player and say hey do you have any rush or do you have any tyler childers or do you have any police or whatever it is like that's amazing to me you know and and what beer would you pair with that? That's the next level, right? right? <laughs> like, like ex- that's exactly right. And I think you know, speaking back to this, uh, the Belgian experience that I had. I mean, that's so that's so the way that they live their culture, which is like it's 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 all experiences. It's all experiences. Like if you're sitting outside at a cafe, drinking sour beer with friends, listening to music that you want to listen to, where you want to do it. Uh, where you want to do it. And that, 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 that
0: is such a premium to your life. Like, that's that's what it should be. Well, I would tell you, I mean, this this has exceeded our expectations. Yeah. this The experience that we had sitting down with you, like I said, um, if you have not put fetish on your calendar to come visit, um, they're here. They're ready for you. This great outside patio, the music. You're coming for the beer, you're coming for the people, and you're coming for the experience. So, Aaron, thanks again so much for your time today. I know you're busy. I know you're brewing. I know you're doing a lot of barreling, but we do appreciate your time.
1: Appreciate it as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you.